Welcome back to another episode of the Hawkset Podcast. We haven't broadcast in a few weeks. We had some technical difficulties for our last show we were going to do before the playoffs, but uh, since we last talked, the Hawks won a playoff series and now are down 3-0 in another series already to the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a post-mortem edition. Unfortunately, uh, after Game 3, the Hawks took the L to the Cavs, final score 121-108. and I got Kenny... And I got Juan with me to break down the game and unfortunately kind of look forward to the team in the future because uh, it'll be a bleak chances of coming back. But let's kind of look at this game. As I said, final score was 121 to 108. Kenny, um, of course, we saw this game was not really a LeBron game or it wasn't a, a Kyrie game. This was a Channing Fry game. Channing Fry finished the game with 27 points, 10 to 13 from the field, 7 from 9 from three-point range, and everybody kind of knew when they acquired him he might have a game like this in the playoffs. This is what they acquired him for. Uh, what do you think about the Hawks game tonight and, and just kind of the series uh, so far? So far, the series has been disappointing, but this game was a game that we wanted to see from the Hawks, which is to remain competitive. Now, honestly, we did not like the last two minutes of the game. I think everyone that's a fan of the Hawks or even a fan of the NBA probably was like, dang, this team just choked. But truthfully, we didn't choke because at the end of the day, we did get the shots we wanted. We did get a lot of looks we wanted. And finally, we got our point guards to realize that, hey, you have to penetrate. Kyrie Irving is not going to stop either one of you. Villadova is not going to stop either one of you. So you're going to have to attack, 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 and attack. You're going to have to figure out, hey, that I'm at my best when I'm attacking the paint and when I'm, get, I'm putting the defense on his heels, which is what – Dennis Schroeder and Jeff T did tonight. But what we have to talk about is uh, we, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but if you look at, if you break down the numbers, you would look at the point guard battle. The point guard battle, Kyrie has somewhere around 24. Uh, Della Vadova had like five or seven. Uh, let me look at the, let me look at the stats real quick. Della Vadova had um, five points. No, he actually had three. Della Vadova had three points. And you look at a point guard battle, you know, Schroeder had 9-8 and Teague had 19. But Teague had 14 assists on one turnover, and Schroeder had four assists with two turnovers. So we won the point guard battle. Then you look at the big battle, it was like neck and neck. Yes, Tristan Thompson only had seven, but Kevin Love gave you 21, and obviously Channing Fry gave you 27. So you say, well, Horford did a great job, 24. Paul Millsap, he had a lunch pill a day, 17. And then you also, you know, you, you got nine from uh, Humphreys, which is pretty good. So you're so you're pretty here. So you're saying, okay, well, the big battle, we kind of, we did okay. We did okay the big battle. I mean, we didn't necessarily win it, but we didn't lose. And then you get to the, the shooting guards. Okay, shooting guards, you're like, okay. Well, uh, Kyle Corver had 18, and Basemore had three points. So you're like, well, well, Basemore didn't come through. So then you look at theirs and say, well, J.R. Smith only has six points. And then on top of that, uh, Shumford had five. So we won the shooting guard matchup, basically. And then you look at the small forward matchup, which really should be, honestly, it was more it was more base more than it was actually Cephalosha playing shooting guard this game. But LeBron James, 24, 13, and 8. Now, LeBron James is going to give you that pretty much most nights anyway. In fact, tonight wasn't even a bad night. He had five turnovers. So tonight wasn't even a great LeBron James night. 
But when you when I mention those numbers without mentioning LeBron James' name and everything seems neck and neck, we're gonna lose. And at the end of the day, what the Hawks didn't do was the Hawks did not do a good enough job defensively of covering up, you know, the dribble drive. I mean, they did better than any other game this series, but they haven't done a good enough job this game. Uh, obviously, Atlanta has no answer for LeBron James. Obviously, Kent Bazemore's a liability in the series. I mean, he he's a problem that they just couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't draw from. Obviously, Paul Millsap and, you know, Al Horford, which one is going to touch on a little bit more. Uh, they seem not to play great on the Sam night. It seems like Al Horford plays great. Millsap struggles. Millsap plays great. Al Horford struggles. We have not seemed to get them on the same page in the playoffs this, so far this year, whether it's against Boston or Cleveland. And then last mm-hmm. but not least, we have to just call it what it is. Coach Buzz substitution patterns. Coach Buzz seemed like he was genius for the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, Chris Humphreys only because Chris Humphreys barely got in the game in the fourth quarter. I don't think I even remember him playing the fourth quarter. And it played a big part because even though Mills, even though Horford did his thing, Paul Millsap was struggling in the fourth quarter. And his plus or minus won't look like it because a lot of times the plus or minus, uh, he was in the game when Fry wasn't in the game. So when Kevin Love was in the game or something like that, he was in the game. But it just wasn't pretty. And it was something that I think we have to be cognizant of that uh, Shannon Fry didn't do. I mean, even though you look at the plus or minus, you say Al Horford had negative, minus 23, 6. It was actually Shannon Fry did most of his work against other players because whether they were slashing or whether, you know, we had screens going on. Because we had a lot of, we did a lot of screening. We did a lot of uh, switching. I see Al Horford guarded guards. Point guards. Al Horford must have guarded Kyrie Irving at least five, six times on the uh, from uh, off the top of the key, and he held mm-hmm. his own each time except once maybe. He held his own. So Al Horford did what he's supposed to do defensively. But them taking Al Horford out the lane was a big problem for us because what it did was it opened up the lane for them to drive a lot more. And Al Horford really cuts off space better than anybody else on our team. And when you take Al Horford out of the area where space he can cover space, it kind of it kind of minimizes Al Horford's effect on defense, team defense. Maybe not individual defense, but team defense. And I think it played a big role into why they scored 121 points tonight. Also played a big role why they got so many rebounds. Right. But let me cut you off right there. Let me let me let me let uh, Juan get in because you brought up some points about just we broke down the numbers. You kind of kind of showed us, hey, we are not as talented as Cleveland. Uh, the the numbers show it. The on court the intricacies you broke down. But, I mean, it's something that Juan pointed out to us before before the show started, and it's, you know, it's not anything, like, too, like, you know, in-depth. It's just, like, straight up. This team is just not talented, and it's and we've seen it two years in a row. I mean, even if we were healthy last year against Cleveland in the conference finals, it probably would have been a similar result. But, Juan, from what you've seen, like, is there a way, I mean, it's 3-0 now. It's basically a foregone conclusion this series is over, but, what has been the way that we could at least do something? Maybe let's salvage a game, a game four, which I thought it would be a five-game series, but was it, this was a game to win, or was it the game one that we let get away? What was it? Guess what that streak is. We're 0-10 against the Cleveland Cavaliers since last year. Our demise actually started last year uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they just took it over from there. Uh, they just got they're, they're a little bit more fiscal than us. We're we're more of a finesse 
three-point shooting team. And um, from the look at that, like, you know, with what Al Horford and um, Paul Millsap was doing, actually during the whole playoff series, uh, Al Horford and uh, Paul Millsap, they haven't been, like, you know, the dominant forces that we saw in regular season of last year and also this year. So it's, like, you know, it's those parts. And we're just not – we're not a good shooting uh, – a three-point shooting team. We we try to pitch and, like, you know, we try to, like, you know, outshoot Cleveland with their three-point shooters. We only have about a good total of three people, three players, that can shoot the three-point ball. Cleveland has a total of seven. So we have a three-headed monster, and Cleveland has a seven-headed monster where everybody – on the whole team can shoot. But a couple of stats that uh jump off at me is when I was looking at Shannon Fry and I saw some of his stats. Uh, he was 10 of 13 uh with the shooting. He was 76.9 uh for the field goal percentage, but when I look at his threes guys, he shot 77.8% from the three-point line. And Kyrie Irving was better. Three points, uh, three points more. He shot 80% from the three-point line. And they, like, you know, when you have LeBron James, you can do so many things with the basketball and with the players uh, where we have to account for LeBron James because we know LeBron is going to get his. You just can't, you just got to make sure that everybody else don't do their thing. So if LeBron had about, say, 30 to a 40 game, and if we didn't let Shannon Fry, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love do their thing, I think it would have been a real competitive game. But what I'm looking at it from our end, like, you know, what Kenny was saying with Kent Baysborn, your starting forward slash guard can't have three points, just three points in game three of the second round. Um, Chris Humphreys had a, a, a wonderful game. So, like, you know, he had an okay game. But – uh. Paul Millsap started off slow um, during the whole first half of the game, and he slightly picked it up. And this is basically Al Hopper's best game uh, from the previous last two games where he wasn't doing anything in my opinion. So Cleveland just has the talent, man. We just got our salad toss uh, for game three, guys. Whoa, salad toss. That I don't think that was the right uh, phrase to use, but... Y'all can Google that phrase, but uh, but yeah, we we yeah, got we got. I don't know if we agree with that one. Yeah, I can't. I think we want to. I think we might have to say pause on that one. <laughs> Go ahead, people. Y'all can get your Atlanta jokes with that phrase, but but I mean, you. We just I mean, got our bus. We just got our bus kick. How about that? Like you know, I'm gonna say that. We can live with that one, but I think from what I saw. I felt like we fell in love with the three-pointer too much, even dating back to the to game one down the stretch. And when the, the Hawks were playing well, they came back from 18 down, and then you kind of fell in love with the three. You make some key turnovers, and then you lose the game. So I think, you know, this new NBA where the three is emphasized, you know, based on the statistical, you know, models or, or just what you see is like, you know, hey, shoot more threes, it's a higher percentage. Everybody can stretch the floor, but I just think you gotta work the ball inside or attack. As Kenny said earlier, when you can get their bigs on their heels, when Jeff Teague and Schroeder are attacking, they really don't have much of an answer. But what uh, you were saying with that, uh, with the three-point shooting, like you know, in the first round of the Boston Celtics, 
in the Boston Celtics series, that works for them because they're inexperienced. They're a young team. You can't go around there and do that in the second round against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're too experienced for that. You know what I'm saying? So we're we're just not a good three-point shooting team. We only have three compared to their seven. I'm just going to say it like that. Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, Juan makes a very good point. And not just the fact that they have really good shooters, but the simple fact of the matter is they really create easy looks. And it's something that can't be understated for us. Is we can't – I mean, yes, we missed the open shots. I'm fully cognizant that we miss open shots. I'm fully cognizant Jeff missed a couple of shots he probably could have made. I am fully aware of that. But honestly, we made a lot of threes that we should have made. And at the end of the day, we're not, you know, no one, if, let me tell you something. A lot of our guys are not seeing the open looks that Channing Frost saw tonight. And you can say, well, are they playing better defense or them? But at the end of the day, LeBron James makes those hockey assist passes that free up players. LeBron James frees up guys with his slashing. LeBron James frees up guys with different things. He's a terror. He's a terror. We have to double team him. Sometimes we have to double team Kyrie because Kyrie gets hot, and we all know he's a microwave. I don't really think we truly – I don't think people understand that. You really – in order to play against a Cleveland team, it's not just just like defensively. It's like you got to match them. Five offense for fire for fire for fire. You gotta match them, and like Atlanta can't match their fire for fire. So if Atlanta can't match them fire for fire, that means defensively you have to be like exceptional. But we don't have a we. I mean Al Horford's our best defender. After Al Horford, you know you have Millsap who's kind of like a freelance guy, but he can't freelance against Cleveland. And you know we don't really have. I mean Tavosafalosha is a good man defender and he's a good team defender, but he's not he's not like. In order for you to have Tabo Cephalosha be, be spectacular, we need Tabo to be what he is defensively while giving us Kawhi Leonard. So he makes it hard for LeBron. LeBron's like having to breed hard. But LeBron, LeBron, yeah, he has to work hard on offense when, when uh, Tabo's in the game. He has to work very hard. Defensively, he can just kind of rest. I mean, there was plenty of times where Tabo, the couple threes that Tabo made, it was because LeBron was resting. He was trying to get a steal like he normally do, trying to uh, wreck our lanes. And he did that so many times in this game. LeBron really wrecked our lanes. And he really cut off what we did well. I mean, honestly, man, I, I, I take my hat off to LeBron James. He's the best player in the NBA. Any question that there was any doubt that he was the best player in the NBA, I hope every Hawk fan sees why he's the best. It's because he does it on both ends of the court. No doubt and about it. Here, when they play against Golden State, they're not going to have the issue they had last year where the ball wasn't moving. They didn't have enough offensive weapons to match fire with fire. They can match fire with fire now. This is why Golden So we're going to have to accept that, and we're going to mention it then. We're going to have to accept this, main, this, this simple fact, and this is a very simple fact that we're going to have to accept. Last year when we played Cleveland, we were equals. Our bench was weak. Their bench was weak. Our stars were exceptional. Their stars was just was very good, but they had LeBron. And of course, what dragged them, which won them the game, is LeBron went a next level. We went to play off LeBron, and that level was just higher than anybody else on our team had. So they they won the series. They swept us, and only we had some injuries, and we had some games that just didn't go our way. So you know, we had that that happen last year, and we don't have the depth. We didn't have the depth last year to deal with injuries like we do this year. So that happened last year. We accept that. 
But this year, we have to fully come to the agreement that Cleveland's an elite team right now. The way they're playing in these playoffs is pure exceptional. And before you say, well, why weren't they playing this like the end of the season? LeBron James was he was playing like I mean he 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 started to take he started to take playoff he started to, ever since he like the, took off the cast from his Twitter or Instagram he started taking serious LeBron's been putting a better number than Steph Curry and on top of that they've been destroying teams in the playoffs they've been destroying teams we have to accept the simple fact of the matter is this Cleveland team is elite they weren't elite last year they just have LeBron this year they're elite this year they're going to be just as good as Golden State if they're not better than Golden State and I yep. and I think that. Yeah, we have to accept that. And if we know anything about, if we all can agree, we can all pretty much agree that Golden State would beat us and sweep us too. So we have to be honest and realistic and say that there's three teams in the NBA that's elite. Everybody else would get swept or beat by them, or maybe not swept, but everybody else would get beat, and just accept it as a fact. The NBA is very difficult sport, and when a team has, you know, three top twenty players. And then one of the top 23 players is one of the best players in the NBA. You're not going to beat them. It's even especially if your two best players are top 20 at best, and they're probably between 18 and 20. And I kind of actually agree with you on that, Kenny. Like you know, with the three best teams in the NBA, you got Golden State, where you had the Beige Brothers, uh, uh, Stephen Curry. Well, the Splash Brothers, my bad. Stephen Curry and also Clay Thompson. Uh, in uh, San Antonio, you have. Tim Duncan and uh, and the other boys that they got down there in Cleveland, obviously we witnessed that tonight. So they got stars. They got basically two or three starters and players. Uh, those three teams compared to us, we don't have we have good quality stars, but we don't have elite, exceptional players. You know what I'm saying? So it's just. We just have to come to uh, to accept the fact that we're uh, above average team. Uh, we're not mediocre, but we're above average. So it's like we just came through a butt saw with Cleveland for the last three games. They're just out hustling us. They're out rebounding us. They're shooting the three pointers like out of his mind. Uh, and they're getting into the paint real easily along with LeBron and some of the other pieces that they have. Uh, the one thing I could disagree with you on is there's two things. They're not out-hustling us. I think we're playing with more energy. I think today, I think game two clearly out-hustled us. But game one and three, we out-hustled them. But when you're not as talented as a team and they just get better shots and better opportunities, you know, it might seem that way, but it's not in reality. And we're a very good team. So what we are. Yeah. I, and I, Cleveland said it plenty of times. They're very – and other guys, Reggie, ja Reggie, Reggie Jackson said it on NBA TV. Uh, quite a few analysts said, yeah, Atlanta's a very good team. We're a very good team. I mean, we're not – we weren't set number two in defense for no reason. We weren't the best defense after in the, from January on for no reason. It's just simply put, we, we came against a team that not only we don't match up well against, but it's just uh, – they're just they're, they're gonna they're gonna beat everybody. They're gonna sweep the next round. They're gonna I mean the Heat aren't special. The Heat are just a the Heat are a mirage. They're gonna get destroyed. Uh, the the Raptors come, the Raptors will get swept. Don't even worry, but the Raptors will get swept. And I think this is gonna be a good matchup between Golden State versus the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, compared to last year. So I think uh, Cleveland can give uh, Golden State a run for this money uh, with the amount of shooters and the amount of uh, pieces that they got there.
So it's just it, it it's just one of the nights, man. Like I kind of figure out uh, in the third quarter once Cleveland got up, once Cleveland started coming on up, I'm like it's gonna be a long uh, 12 minutes going on into this fourth quarter. And once they started connecting with them shots, I was like ball game. Like that's that's what I was saying with that. Yeah, I agree. I do. I'll say one thing, and I mean one, 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 and uh, no. In fact, let's just go to the next subject. I think that next subject will answer the questions. All right, but um, Rome actually said he wanted me to ask these two next two questions, and this next question, this next question is going to be uh, it's going to be a pretty big one in Hawks country, or you know, in Hawks that nation, or even in Hawks block world, or even in, you know, Peachtree hoops world, and it's a legit question: Where do the Hawks go next? As far as moves they need to make or consider making, um, that's a that's a pretty uh, interesting question that you presented there. Uh, obviously, we need another Ford, another small Ford, because like you like you know, I was in the audience, I was in the minor uh, the minority with Kent Bazemore. I thought he was doing an excellent job, like you know, in the previous series with Boston. But after tonight and after the last two games in the series with Cleveland, we got to get somebody that can uh, defend the wing uh, and have that same type of production. Uh, Kent, I love him. Uh, I think he's an awesome energizer, like, you know, for the city and for the team. But in my opinion, like, you know, he, he's going to be gone, in my opinion, um, from, this, from this season. And it's a, like kind of a toss-up with me with Al Hawford because like what we was talking about earlier on before we had the podcast meeting, uh, Al with the Boston series and also with this series, even though tonight he had a good game, uh, I don't feel like, you know, if it was up to me, I don't feel comfortable paying him max money, like $30 million a year. And we're going to get this same type of production every time we're going into the playoffs. So I see it from that end. And then one of the, one one of your uh, point guards is going to get traded. So it does. I don't know if it's going to be Schroeder or T, but we'll see what goes on with that in the off season. So we need to have somebody in the wing as a forward. Uh, I'm not sure about giving Hallford uh, thirty million dollars a year. For max money, and one of your point guards is going to get traded, like you know. So you got to go with one, like you know, one of them has to go, in my opinion. And what you think about that, Ken? Like you know, so uh, who, what are some of the changes that you see uh, for coming next year? Uh, well, the point guard trades. I I'm not necessarily uh, sure that that would happen. I, I am sure that Atlanta would look in the market and they would. They, they, they would see the value that's out there. I mean, the one thing about it is Dennis has his, his rights. He's a restricted free agent, so he can't go anywhere if he wanted to, and we can match him. And obviously, Jeff Teague, um, uh, until like November, until like October or something, he we can, you know, we can, um, you can give him an extension. Now, the problem with us is I, we can't really give him an extension because it would only be 120% of his salary. But see, the thing is, if you have the cap room, like just raw cap space, you can actually pay him like this on on the salary cap that's this year. You can pay him a max on that. So he's very he's going to be very attractive to teams. 
that are like willing to pay him now who are looking for a point guard, but they won't be able to attract one in free agency because there's not really any available and Conley's not leaving Memphis. So he's going to be very attractive on the open market, you know, far more attractive than some fans are giving off. And, you know, because, you know, fans are fans are kind of tedious in a sense. But he's going to be a player that's going to have some interest. And so we're going to see what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to make any – I'm not going to say anything more than what it is. But there's a chance that, you know, he could get traded. There's a chance that Dennis could get traded. But I'm not going to swing defenses on those things. I do believe Al Horford should get uh, the max, unquestionably. I think Al Horford is a – I mean, if we're we're talking about five years ago when the 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 max was like, you know, it, Carmelo Anthony top ten player max, LeBron James top ten player max. When the max was that, I do think that you would have serious legit quals given Al Horford the max. But with the maxes nowadays, DeAndre Jordan gets the max, Harrison Barnes gets the max. Andrew Batum, I mean, Batum gets the max, and it's not even questionable no more. Al Horford unquestionably gets the max. Al Horford not even unquestionably gets the max, but Al Horford generates attention like he's LeBron James getting the max. That's kind of that's the kind of max he gets. So it's not even an if and or but question. Now the the issue with Atlanta fans is Atlanta doesn't Atlanta fans have tough time wanting to give him the max because they're like, this is the best we're gonna do, get knocked out by Cleveland. Cleveland's not getting any older. I mean, with the exception of LeBron getting older, they're not getting any really that much older. And do we really want to run into this buzzsaw that is, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers every year? And the truth to your the truth to your question is, Atlanta has to figure out ways to to, to, to compete. But they do need to create Horford because Horford is the key to he's the engine that makes everything run. I mean, he's a cornerstone. You have to bring him back. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Atlanta yeah. needs to be open to Atlanta's going to be open to trading players. I mean, Atlanta's going to have to be open to trading Dennis. They're going to have to be open to trading Jeff. They're going to have to be open to trading Millsap. And that doesn't mean they're going to make a trade, but they're going to have to be open. And if there's a right trade on the market, let's just say Danilo Gallinari and their lottery pick for Paul Millsap, that's a deal that Atlanta has to consider. Not saying that's a deal they have to take, but just saying if something out there is like that, that's a deal they have to consider. Because at the end of the day, if you can get a Buddy Hill who probably won't start next year, but if you can get someone like a Buddy Hill who can, you know, learn the ropes and by, by the time playoffs start, you can trust them in starting, then that's that's fine. But everyone is, to me, everyone's on the trading block. I mean, with the exception of Al Horford, everyone's on the trading block, and I'm just like you. I think you, you made a good point. We have to get a wing. That's our number one priority. And, uh, you know, Jeff Green's available. Luau Ding might be a Luau Ding should be available this year because you know I think Miami's going to go with Justice Winslow starting. So you're going to have like two shooting small fours available. I think for the most part everyone else is not really that available. But uh, and you're going to have guys like PJ Tucker that's available. Maybe Rudy Gay. So I think Atlanta's going to have to get a shooting guard, a small forward. But they I don't think they need to pay the I don't think they need to find a way to get a small a small forward without having to overpay for one. But we have to do something drastic, man, because this is the second time, like, you know, the second season where we're in the playoffs and we get knocked out out of the big leagues. And uh, even though last year was progress, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like you said in the meeting uh, before that, like, you know, early on, this year we regressed, man. We regressed with uh, the way that we was playing. And we have a lot of players that, out there that was – Taking a lot of threes, we mm-hmm. was a we was a 
uh, a three-pointing shooting team that, like, you know, some of those bastards could have been going uh, in the paint. Yeah. You know, everybody was trying to be a three-point shooter. We was not we was not going to be like Cleveland or Golden State or heck even San Antonio. We're 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 not that type of a franchise. We're we're not in that type of uh, mold in that elite mold like those other franchises are. Well, we actually scored more baskets. We actually scored more baskets close to the rim than they did this game. And in game one we did too. So I mean Honestly, we it, it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with us shooting too many threes. It has everything to do with us have not having scores who can put the ball on the ground. I mean, it literally does. I mean, it doesn't have nothing to do with shooting threes. It literally has stuff to do with when you look at our guys. Baysmore has the ball in his hand. Are you scared of him slashing? No. Are you scared of Kyle Culver slashing? No. Are you scared of Tabo Cephalosha slashing? Not a chance. In fact. Our best slasher this game was Al Horford, literally Al Horford, who we all know doesn't dribble the ball all that well. We all know he gets to like he gets to like the 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 um the, the restricted part lane, and then he starts backing you up. That's what he does, and this is our best handler of the night. But unfortunately, we don't have a closer like some of the other guys do. Stephen Curry for Golden State, that's their closer. Uh, Tim Duncan and uh. Number two from um, San Antonio, that's their closer, and we obviously know who the closer is for the Cleveland Cavaliers. We yeah. we don't we don't have a a guy that one guy like you know, and I understand from the superstar perspective, we're not going to get a superstar and um, what's call it the free agency and like you know the draft is a crapshoot, but we we have a couple of good guys, but we don't have that one guy. That is the closer that can make stuff happen, like a LeBron James, like a Stephon Curry, like a Tim Duncan, like a Mono Ginobili, like a Tony Parker. We have a good collection of guys, but we don't have the elite type of guy, and we yeah, don't have that closer. We don't have an offensive number one option. I mean that's clear, and we don't even have a we don't have an offensive number one option. But we we even worse we don't like you said we don't have a closer. If we had Joe Moneybags. Heck, if we even had Damari Carroll, <laughs> it would be much better than it is now. Mm -hmm. Because it's like last year, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned our team regressing, and I and you know it's something that me and Rome talked about, and I think Rome and Rome knows about this, and I I, I complained about it. I even wrote about I wrote an article called the Baseball Conundrum, kind of speaking about it. But when, last year, we, we we won a lot of closer games, a lot of close games we won last year because of execution. This year, our offense execution is very porous. This year, our offense, our starting lineup, before uh, before the before All Star break, they were actually below. They were actually a below average starting lineup. The whole reason why we were winning games and we had an above 500 record was because our bench was giving us uh, probably the was I think they were top three in the NBA in bench production. I think the only people teams that had better bench production was Golden State and like Golden and uh, San Antonio. So we were in the top three of his production, and we finished the season with very high of his production as well. So this year, we were better than last year's team from the bench. So if, they, if we're like better than last year's team from the bench, and the only thing we made, only change we made in the starting line was one player, which was Carroll for Basemore, how, how bad could it be? Now everyone says, well, you know, you, we did, Culver did regress. But how, how much did Culver regress when 
honestly, he's the only one that's truly moving off the ball on offense. If you watch our offensive, offensive play, you watch Bazemore. He's not moving off the ball anywhere near as good as Carroll. In fact, you watch, watch Carroll for Toronto. Toronto barely moves outside of Carroll. But Carroll's moving. He's making smart reads. He's making smart cuts. I mean, he scored 21 points, but Carroll does. We all know Carroll's not an offensive player, but he scores 21 points. That's what Carroll does. And Bazemore doesn't do that. We have to be honest. So basically, Bazemore is a better talent, uh-huh. but Carroll's a way better player. So basically, you tell me that Bazemore is just simply a best player. Like, you know, he's just on the start lineup, but he's actually the best player. I think he's a starter. I mean, I think when he was in the game, like I think I personally think he's a starting shooting guard for a team that that's that's a, a little bit more ISO oriented, a team that is defensive oriented. So basically, you put it this way: you put him in a Brooklyn situation where Kenny Atkinson is going to try to build defense first because he's going to have guys like uh, you know the uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He's going to fit well because in that system. They're going to say, well, we, we're going to offensively, we're going to count on the collective scoring, but defensively, we're, that's our focus. He'll do well in that. And I think that's the reason why Atlanta went defense this year. People keep, Atlanta keeps telling you we went defense because we had, Atlanta had no choice. They were right. They had no choice because Baysmore, the only thing he could truly do at an exceptional level is defense. Now you say, why don't you start Tablet Felosha? But we are, offensively, he's just, he's just, a, he's not a, he, he can only play off, he can only start. When he started with guys like Westbrook and Durant, and even then he he couldn't even he couldn't even do that no more. So he's at a stage where offensively he's just too weak. Offensively he's just a pedestrian man. That's that's what Tyler yeah. Colosha is. Like you know, I, I would say a different word for that, but I'm trying to be nice, like you know, for pedestrian because I could say another word and it starts with an H and it ends with a C. <laughs> like you know, it has like a wheelchair going on, but I ain't trying to do that. It, it's like a wheelchair. You see signs at him all the time. So, but I'm just gonna say pedestrian, just try to be a little bit nice, maybe. It's um, not pretty. He he he's. I mean, honestly, he been playing like a handicapped player, man, during this whole series. And I think the, we only gotta be honest. And Rome and Rome stated this before, as well as as well as uh, Steezy. And that is, we really spent a lot of the last second half of the season, all of us watching Tim Hardaway Jr.'s progression. And wondering how much he's going to improve next year. So if Tim Hardaway can make a tremendous improvement next year, that might answer the two guard question for us. So that is something that we want to look into. But honestly, we have to get a wing. We have to get a small forward, and he has to have size. He cannot be a small forward who's 190 pounds. He has to be a small forward that's 215, 225, who can defend LeBron James, who can defend, you know, Paul George. Because in the Eastern Conference, you got to go against Paul George. In the Eastern Conference, you got to go against Carmelo Anthony. In the Eastern Conference, you got to go against LeBron James. We got y'all gave us the great points about, you know, the future of the team and kind of this series. So briefly, I'm gonna let Juan go first. 20 to 30 seconds. Give me your prediction for the remainder of the series. Game four, will the Hawks win? Extending five, or what do you think? So I'll let you go first, Juan, and then Kenny. 20 to 30 seconds on the remainder of the series. I'm just going to say it like this. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they're just going to slice and dice us, man. Like, you know, we're, we're just going to get slapped around. So, like, you know, for the last game of the season, we're going to get I, – I think I honestly think we're going to get slept, uh, swept again. Uh, so it's just – 
a matter of time. So this is the farewell, like you know, the farewell game for some of these Atlanta Hawks players uh, that we got going on. Because honestly, we need to have some type of change going on, and that's just my opinion on that. So we're gonna get swept again. Once predicting a sweep, I probably be right. But what about you, Kenny? Uh, I guess I just wanted to see them compete tonight, and I was fairly impressed until the very end. I think uh, we'll win the we'll win the uh, the game in Atlanta if we are winning by halftime. But I think if we're losing by halftime by like ten points, I think that the the camels pop break the camels the back of the camels gonna break and we're gonna get swept. But honestly, this was a series that I kind of want to I want us to compete and lose instead of go to Cleveland and get just destroyed and everybody's like get rid of him get rid of him. We're just outmatched. We're outmatched and outgunned. Yeah, well, that's. I think we we've come to a consensus that uh, we're we're not as talented, and there needs to be a, a shakeup of the roster. So, I guess by uh, Sunday is a possibility. Uh, well, next week we'll be predicting on what'll happen in the off season since the season could end. Hawks play on a Sunday the eighth, 3:30 p.m. on ABC. So prime time on a Sunday afternoon. Unfortunately, I won't be able to watch it, but, you know, I'll be keeping up and probably hitting y'all up on, on what you all think. But uh, that's been another episode of the Hawksat Podcast. Remember, you all can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Pod. Shoot us an email, thehawkset at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, also on SoundCloud. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully, the Hawks can pull out a W on Sunday. We'll see. We'll be back pretty soon. Thanks for listening. Peace.